0: I'm really, really excited to be here. I just want to take this time to say that this message and this great sermon series that you guys have had the opportunity to be experiencing this whole week is really, really deep. And, and I know that this whole message, this whole month, it's been called The Next Step. And its focus was to focus on the journey ahead, Looking forward to all that God has in store for all of his faithful followers. Isn't that exciting? That God has something in store for all of his faithful followers. The series text, if I can mention it, is in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 to 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the deserts. Encouraging scripture. Now I know that you've all been blessed with some great preaching this month. From Pastor Dan, Brother Matt, Brother Manny. This whole month. Starting with catching the vision as the first step in this whole next step series. Followed by having a right mindset. And church, then that comes after that is surrender and being available. And having an attitude of availability. And if you follow those three crucial steps, you are intended to then complete this next step which we're gonna cover today. Which is the step that will keep you on the right path as you serve the Lord, because we need to stay on the path. You know, we could get on the path, and we could see God, and we could see the goals that we have and the things of God. But you know, you could get off the path. God's still there, but we get off the path. We got to stay on the path until we see our Lord. We're not in heaven yet, church. We're not there yet. Sometimes we think, "Why well, come to church?" That's good enough. No, it's not good enough to we make it to heaven. Eternity for us has started. But we're not there yet. And this is our topic today. So what's this next step? How do we stay on that path? Commitment. Commitment. This next step that I'm going to be speaking about today is commitment. Now, when you think of the word commitment, a lot of things can come through your mind. We can think of sports figures, oh, they're committed, you know. And war heroes, oh, they were committed for the cause, et cetera. And that's true. But I would like to point out some true commitment examples in this very church. The men I just mentioned, Pastor Dan, Brother Matt, Brother Manny and their wives, Sister Christina, Sister Monica, Sister Espy, along with our senior pastors, Pastor Richard and Sister Nancy, are some of the most committed people that I know. My wife and I have known them for over 25 years. Were they were pretty much all here before we got here. That's commitment. They haven't gone anywhere. And you know what stands out about them to me? Commitment. I've seen them stay committed in the midst of hardship, sickness, attack, and strain. I'm telling you this because many times we can take the great messages that they give us and we overlook the messengers. Not that they do it for recognition. I know they don't. But I'm a firm believer that it's not only about the message, but it's also who is giving the message. And church, can I tell you, you've been blessed with some great messages. But more than that, you're also blessed with some awesome messengers. It's a package. So when we look at commitment, And what it means for us as Christians, I want to ask you a question. Are you overcommitted? And what do I mean by overcommitted? I'm talking about committed to God's kingdom. But then at the same time, you're committed to worldliness. See, you're overcommitted. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. But many Christians try to serve two masters. That's called overcommitment. You're trying to be committed to God, but you're trying to be committed to the world at the same time. Like, I love Jesus in church, but I also like partying, and I like to sip a little here and sip a little there, and I like to, you know, puff a little here and puff a little there. But I'll come to church and get right, and then I'll do it all over again. That's called overcommitment. I'm not judging. I'm going to tell you, the first time I got saved was a year before I walked in this church. I was overcommitted. I was trying to be holy. I was trying to read the Bible. I was trying to go to a church at that time. But I was still doing those things that I just mentioned. And that was the most miserable time of my life that year. Because I was overcommitted. Or how about I like hanging with Christians, but I also like to hang out with my non-Christian friends. You're overcommitted in your friendships. Now, we should not be overcommitted in this way, but instead, we should only be overcommitted for the kingdom. Easier said than done, right? And the only way you and I can do this is by casting away those worldly passions, those worldly desires that try to stop us from committing to Christ. The Bible calls this this, cast off the weights. Cast off the weights is the first point of today's sermon. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. God is telling us, strip off the weights. Imagine God telling you, rip it off. Like a Band-Aid you had on for months. Don't do it slow. It's, it's, oh. Ah. rip that thing off be quick you know the reason why Christians struggle is because that's what you do with your sin you're like just a little bit ah. next week I'll do it again oh just a little bit ah. but it's still there and God saying don't do it slow rip it off cast it off throw it off do it quick do it fast you know some of the most successful Christians I know are the ones that drop everything cold turkey The Christians that I see struggle are the ones that are like, well, pastor, you know, you should be happy. I'm coming to church once a month. Well, pastor, you should be happy, you know, that, you know, little by little, little by little. And I understand we want to take baby steps, but I'm giving you a strategy if that's you. I'm not judging you. I'm giving you a strategy. Jesus gives us a strategy. Rip it off. Cast off that sin so quick like it's a bad disease. Don't leave it there. And what is he telling us to rip off? Sin. Sin, sin that the Bible says trips us up. Man, they're talking like you're in the hood. Man, you tripped up. The writer, that was like, take that sin off, that trips you up. Haven't you ever felt tripped up sometimes, church? Sometimes we get tripped up on things, right? We're having a good day, everything's going great, then you get a call and you're all tripped up because they gave you some bad news. Sometimes you're at work, everything's going great, then your boss says, hey, I need you to work mandatory overtime and you're all tripped up now. I mean, whatever trips you up, but here the Bible says it's sin that trips us up. The sin that trips us up, is sin tripping you up, church? If so, what sin is tripping you up? It's the movies you watch, the music you're listening to, the people you call your friends, the things you're doing on the side. It's like trying to say you're exercising, and you're going to work out, and you're going to lose weight, but you keep eating bad food. The food is tripping you up. You can have a goal. You can say you have a goal. You could jump on the treadmill all day long, but if you keep going back to that food, it doesn't make a difference. That's like saying, I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to, learn. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to go to Bible study, but I'm still do this. You're still not making The difference that you need spiritually because you're being tripped up by those things you keep going back to. And Jesus is telling us, get rid of it. Rip it off. Luke chapter 21 verse 34 says, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. I'm going to stop right there. What is dissipation? I looked it up in the dictionary and it says, a descent into bad living. You guys understand what dissipation is now? So that means you're in the things of God. You're up here in the Holy Ghost. And you can get into dissipation when you start to decline into bad living. So let me start over again now that we know what it means. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. This is one of those scriptures where Jesus is bringing it down. He's giving it straight to us so that we can succeed. He's giving us a strategy. He's telling us not to let things like sin and worry into our life because they will weigh you down. Think about things that you've worried about, church. They weigh on you. And it's okay. We, we worry naturally. But Jesus is saying, you've got to eventually strip it off. Take that worry off. Give it to me Because it's going to weigh you down, Christian. Some of you are worried today. Maybe people are sick in your life. Maybe you're struggling with something. You're worried about something financially. Maybe you're worried about family. Maybe you're worried about job situations. God says, take that weight off. As a matter of fact, he says, give me your burdens. I will make them light. See, why do we want to carry something that weighs us down? But for Jesus, it's no weight at all. You know, when you come to Christ, part of commitment is getting rid of those things that fight our commitment to Christ. It's a decision every Christian has to make. And it's a fight, right, to rip these things away from our lives. I'm not here to say it's easy. Sometimes we resist, if we're honest. Sometimes we know God wants us to rip certain sins off, but we resist. We resist because we know there's a high price to pay if we strip it off and we rip it off and we cast it away when we get rid of these sins. Because, you know, we've grown up with these sins, some of us. Our family has introduced some of these sins to some of us. Some of those are attitudes that we have that our family has. And so we think it's part of who we are. And it's hard to rip those off. But can I tell you? Yeah. There's a price to pay. Jesus told this to the rich young ruler. You guys remember that story? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I need to do to get into the kingdom? And Jesus starts listing all these commandments. And he's like, oh, Jesus, I've done all of those since I was a kid. And you know what the guy asks? He says, but what am I still lacking? He knew he was missing something. And he says, but I'm missing something, Jesus. What is it? And Jesus calls it all out, that one thing that was weighing him down, that one thing. And for this man, it was his riches. What's weighing you down? Maybe you've, you know, obeyed nine of the Ten Commandments. Good for you. Good for you. We should. But you know what Jesus is going to look at? What's that one thing that's keeping you back? You know, we sometimes think. That Jesus is like, well, you did pretty good, which he does. But you know what Jesus is concerned about? That one thing, my son, it's going to take you down if you don't get rid of it. That one thing, my daughter, please get rid of it. And I believe that's what this message is today. If we're going to say we're committed to Christ and we need to commit to be willing to rip those things out of our lives, what is weighing you down Is it an unsaved boyfriend? An unsaved girlfriend? Is it someone constantly in your ear about why you should stop going to this church and stop stop serving God because of this? Are people in your ear? Do you need to rip those things out of your life? Or is it your own voice saying things like, man, if you just would have put more time into work, you would have been able to pay off this bill. Or you may have been able to get that car, but you're always at church. What are those voices? What are those things that are weighing you down? You know, if you don't get rid of what's weighing you down, you're going to get tired. You're going to get tired. And the reason we get tired is because they drain us spiritually. That's why Jesus says, don't worry. You can't add a day to your life. You can't add a hair to your head by worrying. So don't do it. But you know what really he's saying is, please, son, please, daughter, don't worry. Because it's going to kill you spiritually. You and I know that have worried and been through some very worrisome situations. It eats us up, right? It affects us, right? We start to get sick. We don't want to eat. Or maybe we overeat. I don't know. Whatever it is, worry is not good for us. That's why Jesus, if you, talk, if you read about worry, he says, cast off your worries. Cast off your anxieties. Give them to me. Because we're not supposed to carry that. And it drains us spiritually. So what's the next step from here? What Jesus always says throughout the Bible, do not grow weary. Don't get tired. Easier said than done, Pastor. I'm a tired person. I do a lot and I understand that. But he still tells us that. Now, I want you to look at this next picture as we get that up on the slide. Now, how far do you think these men will go before they have to stop because they're too tired? They're carrying some major weight on their back. I don't know what's in those boxes, but it must be heavy because they're holding it together with rope. That means tape wouldn't do the job. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember in times when I was in college, I felt like the books in my backpack were weighing me down. I was like, my gosh. And they don't have lockers at college, by the way. At least not the one I went to. Now, I know you current college students are like, what is he talking about? Because all your books are digital, right? But believe me when I say college books were heavy. I remember some books were like this thick. And I was like, why? What's the purpose of that? Or ladies, let's be real. Some of your purses are so heavy, they can weigh you down, right? Got the next picture up here. Let's be real. These are real pictures. They're not models. One girl's on the subway, one lady's crossing the street. I mean, it's hard to get far carrying such huge loads. Eventually, you're going to get tired. But it's especially hard to commit when you're carrying such huge loads. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. That's why he says, don't get tired. Don't grow weary. Because he wants you to be blessed. One way to not get tired... Is by what we said, casting off those weights, which weigh us down. But the other way is by doing what the Scripture says. It says, continue to do good. Or another way to say it is, stay committed to doing good. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, for some of you, I just said two bad words, work and labor. (laughs) But that's what the word says. You know, all the work you do, church, all the work you've done, let it not be in vain. Let it not be in vain. Some of you have been at this church faithfully serving for 10, 15, 20 plus years. And now the devil comes. He comes in the ninth inning trying to trip you up so you can give up and stop being committed. Right when God's about to bless you, I believe God's going to bring a blessing. But the devil is trying to trip people up right now as quick as he can because he knows the blessing is coming. I believe God has declared it in heaven. The blessing is going to come on my people. But the enemy is saying, I'm going to stop it. I need to stop them. I need to stop them from being committed. Church, you're so close to your breakthrough. You're so close to your answered prayers. And the devil would love to stop you dead in your tracks. His plan for you is to stop being committed. He wants to stop you right now. He wants you to stop being in ministry. He wants you to stop coming to church. He wants you to stop being married. He wants to stop you. He wants to stop your commitment. Don't you see? Don't you see that everything you've committed to at one point is the very thing the devil is trying to get you to stop being committed to? The very thing that you were looking forward to when you first got saved, I want to be a ministry, I want to be an usher, I want to be on platform, I want to serve in the children's ministry, I want to do this. All of a sudden now, that's in your mind. Later on in the ninth inning, the devil's like, ah, you don't need that ministry, you should let that ministry go. Ah, Just take a break, there's a bunch of youngsters, let them take over. But God is telling us this word instead. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He doesn't put an age limit on it, church. He doesn't put a category. Well, once you hit 10 years of seniority in the church, you no longer have to serve like you did when you were younger. I've I've never read that in the Bible. Matter of fact, I read the opposite. As I was praying for this message And for God to direct this message, and I asked God, God, what do you you want me to tell your people? What what message do you have for your people? This is what he He shared with me. Do not despise your current position. That must be for all of you, one of you, some of you. I don't know. God will do it just for one. So maybe if you're in, if this is you, do not despise your current position. There is a blessing in your position. Galatians 6, 9. Excuse me. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Don't give up, church. Don't stop being committed. You're going to cut yourself short of a blessing. God is ready to bless you. God is ready to reap a harvest in your life. God is ready to bring all your prayers to a place where you will see the flourishing of your labor in prayer, in your labor at the church, and God wants to show you this. But the devil is trying to stop some of you right before you get blessed. Blessed. The devil wants you to bail out right before you receive your blessing because you know why? He just loves to see God's people miserable. And he'll make sure you're miserable. Like, oh, you you stepped out too quick, man. You could have got blessed, but he's the one that was telling you to step out, right? But see, that's called the lie of the devil. And if you're in ministry, stay in your position. As God shared, don't despise your current position. Joseph from the Old Testament, as unfair as things were in his life, he didn't despise his position at all. As a matter of fact, he embraced it. When he was a slave, he became the best slave when he was in jail, he became a model inmate. He embraced whatever position he was in, no matter how bad and low it was. And finally, when he became second in command in all of Egypt, he was the best that Egypt ever had. He embraced every position he was in. He just didn't wait for the good position. He just didn't say, Oh, well, this is a really messed up situation I'm in, so uh. He's like, well, this is a messed up situation, but I'm going to make the best of it. I'm going to be the best slave. I'm going to be the best inmate. What an an awesome attitude, right? My goodness. He didn't mope. He didn't gripe. And he was in those positions for years, years, church. So when he got to be second-in-command, it was nothing to him to do his best. Because he did his best when he was at his worst, and he did his best when he was at the best. See, some of us have it twisted. We're like, well, I'll give my 110% when I get to where I want to be. Well, not right now. You know, this isn't really what I want to do, so I guess I'll clean the light. Oh, God. You know, all right, I'll move the pulpit. I mean, do it with a good attitude, ministry worker. We got to have a good attitude. I mean, Joseph got blessed for it. See, God sees those attitudes, church. He sees, wow, that person didn't complain when he had to sweep or that person didn't complain when he had to watch all those six-year-old kids. Don't complain. Make the best of it. We, on the other hand, we can get into a position, and when we don't like it, we run to HR. We go complain to the pastor. We go complain to the boss. And we start to get bitter. And what happens is we start to despise our position because something's not working out in our position. Church, don't forget who put you in that position. It's an honor and a privilege to serve in the house of the Lord. Regardless of position. Sometimes, you know, we're in ministry for months and years, and here comes a new brother or sister fresh off the block, rising to the top. And you start to get upset, and you start to grumble. I've been here longer. Don't the pastor see me? Not here in this church, though. I mean, I'm just saying. But see, these things can start to fester because, see, we start to look at ministry as position. And it's interesting because God gave the word, don't despise your current position. What is your position? Maybe things could be better. Maybe things could improve. You know, when you have a problem in ministry, there's two ways to look at it. Pastor needs to take care of this right now. This needs to be fixed by the pastor or the pastor's wife. Or, okay, what can I do to make this better? You got two ways to deal with it. Now, I'm not saying there aren't times you have to talk to the pastor. Of course, there's times you need to bring things to the attention of the pastors. As pastors, we want to know what's going on. But that should never be your first choice, your first recourse. You should always ask, okay, if I don't like this situation, what can I do to make it better? If I'm not happy with something in the church, what can I do to make it better? Not just complain about it, gossip about it, post about it, whatever you do about it. No, let's not grumble. Church, stay committed. Stay committed to your church. Stay committed to your pastors. Stay committed to each other. And refuse to give up. Sometimes I know what it's like. I'm not saying it's easy. Sometimes you, uh, it runs through your mind, you know, if I just threw in the towel, yeah, you might have that momentary peace, but you won't have that eternal peace. You have to stay committed. You have to hold on. You know, Joseph, if he had given up when he was thrown into slavery or put in jail, he would have never received his destiny. If he gave up in jail, if he gave up as a slave, he would have never reached the destiny that God had for him. Many of you, maybe you're contemplating stepping out of ministry. Maybe you're contemplating stepping out of church. Can I tell you, you're going to miss out on your blessing. Stay committed. Hold on. Don't give up. Make the best of it. God is going to bless you. That's his word. It's not in my notes, only it's his word. It's in your Bible. If you do not give up, you will reap a blessing. How many people want to be blessed? Right? Then we can't give up. We can't give up. This picture I'm going to show you says it all. If you can put that up, Please. If you can't read that, it says, this fallen tree refused to die. Instead, he grew four more trees out of itself. This is what happens when you don't quit. Church, I know it's hard sometimes, and sometimes it feels like people are chopping us down like that tree. But you need to refuse to die. You need to refuse to give up. And God is going to bring forth life out of you and your situation like you've never seen before. If we stay committed. In closing, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. And have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Now is not the time to stop our commitments to God, church. Now is not the time. What it is the time is to embrace our commitments that we've taken on. Embrace your current situation. Embrace your certain position that you're in. It may not be where you want to be, but you embrace it until God takes you to where you need to be. The blessing is right around the corner. It's right there. You just can't see it. Remember, the devil wants to rob you of your breakthrough. But pastor, I've been praying for years. Pastor, I've been, I've been fasting for years. Well, then you keep doing it. Because my Bible says that your blessing is coming. Like the, like the scripture states, fight, fight. Fight the good fight of faith. The Bible calls it a fight. Doesn't it seem like we're in a fight? Sometimes we think like, well, shouldn't everything just be perfect? I don't know. This says we got to be in a fight. I'm just saying. See, the devil likes to lie and say, oh, you're saved. Everything's supposed to be perfect now. Oh, you're, you're a born-again believer. Why do you have so many problems and issues? And why does everybody want to fight with you? Because the Bible says we're in a fight. But it's a fight of faith. It's a fight of faith. Church, let's stay committed. If we could bow our heads, please.